0: Visit patreon.com slash laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont.
0: And I'm Tom Merritt.
1: Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And we are here tonight live on Riverside.fm with our fabulous chat room and also drinking some libations. Tom, what are you drinking this evening?
0: I am drinking uh, Wang Black Sesame and Bean Soy Drink.
1: Nice. What does it taste
0: like? It, it tastes like, like soy milk. It's got a little sweetness to it and, uh, you know, and it's, it's black bean. So it's got a kind of a, an earthy flavor.
1: I really like black sesame. Um, I like red bean. I like soy milk. So I feel like I, I am like in this flavor profile. Like I could get into yeah, that. Yeah.
0: It's not licorice. You might look at the box and think it was licorice, but it's not just because it's black. It's because of the black sesame. It's good. I like it. Where do you buy it from? Oh, I I buy it from the uh, H Mart. <laughs> That's a Korean grocery store.
1: I am drinking um, Sifizio, Sifizio from Four Point. Fort Point. Oh, I always want to say Four Sficio. Point. It's Fort Point. Sificio. Um Yeah, it's nice. It's pretty light. It's an Italian-style pilsner.
0: Oh, it's a beer. It's a beer. you. Very good. Well, it's Italian, so it's... Yeah. Uh, What's Italian for beer? I don't know. Peroni? In
1: Spanish, it's cerveza. Yeah. yeah. And in Japanese, it's biru.
0: And in Korean, it's bichu. Uh,
1: although in Japanese, biru is also building, or there's like a very, there's a fine pronunciation that I cannot mm. always remember how to do you that have to separates the at two. to
0: or you might end up owning a building instead of just having a glass of water. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So be careful with those pronunciations. They matter. All yes. right. Well, let is before I become a real estate mogul. Uh, let's jump into the quick burns.
0: John wrote in her last newsletter, author Fonda Lee has announced the release of a new novella in the Greenbone Saga series. She writes, The Jade Setter of John Loon, a standalone prequel novella that takes place prior to the events of book one, Jade City features different characters. So a reader new to the Greenbone saga can pick it up easily, but there are several major appearances by familiar members of the main trilogy. Vondelis says I had such a good time returning to John Loon for this noir mystery story. And I can't wait to share it with all of you when it releases April 30th, 2022. In addition to that, John pointed out there's a special print edition on offer that went on sale January 10th at subterraneanpress.com. And I saw them tweet about it earlier today. There's like less than 40 left. I don't know how many are left at this recording. So they're going fast, folks. They're numbered and signed, too.
1: Nice. I thought Subterranean Press was a comic publisher. I guess I'm probably wrong.
0: These are specialty wrong. hardback <gasps> printings of this novella. And there's only like okay. a thousand of them being made. Okay. So it's definitely not the normal publisher for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I see. So they've got, they do Scalzi. They do a bunch of people, uh, Cargill. So, yeah. Okay. I'm Joe Abercrombie. So I just missed, misunderstood, misremembered. Um, Very cool though. Ooh. Yeah, initially, I thought maybe the novella was going to be about like their, their father's kind of history mm. in the mm-hmm. kind of like guerrilla warfare timeframe of their past. But it sounds almost like it's, if it's, it feels like it's after that, but before what's happening in the yeah. trilogy.
0: And it, it sounds, she's calling it a noir mystery. I feel like it's going to have a lot of lantern men, you know, and, uh, and and that kind of stuff. Like it, it may be a side story where the main characters of the Jade trilogy Enter in and out in the peripheral somehow. I, I'm excited for it. Awesome.
1: Jan reports that Tor.com reports that David Nyman's Between the Covers podcast has started a new series called Crafting with Ursula, in which Nyman will talk with authors about how specific works of Ursula K. Le Guin have influenced their work. The first episode features Becky Chambers and discusses the craft of creating aliens and alien culture. You can find Between the Covers, Conversations with David Nyman on your podcasting app of choice, or you can go to the webpage at tinhouse.com for the first episode of this new series.
0: Very cool. Oh, that's a, that's a great recommendation. Thank you, Jan. Jan, by the way, let's just say it up front, uh, did the yeoman's work uh, this this week. Lots, lots of good stuff from Jan. So thank you for that, Jan, who happens to be watching live.
1: Yeah, live at four forty four a.m. in his time zone. <laughs> so, but he's he he did assure me that he is an early bird and not a night owl, which I relate more okay. to, like getting up early. Yeah, I I could never stay up that late these days.
0: Uh Jan also noted that uh, Mel Burke at Polygon has released their list of most anticipated science fiction and fantasy books for twenty twenty two from Akata Woman by Nnedi Okorafor on January eighteenth. Uh, to Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher on April 26th, to Nona the Ninth, Tamsen Muir on September 13th, and a bunch of others, too.
1: I am so excited for that one, obviously. Um, this is that. Uh, Nona the Ninth, of course, is the kind of like in-betweeny book, the surprise in-between book um, that was coming out after... Um, after the second book in their series um, and what was supposed to be the third book. And so now there yeah. are going to be four books and this is like the, Oh, there's a middle, a middle book in between. Um, so I'm very, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Love, love a surprise, a surprise book, a trilogy turning into a, what do we call it again?
0: Quaternary, Quaternary. Increasingly corn. misnamed trilogy. Hmm. Uh Yeah. Four? Uh, A foursome? (laughs) A four
1: word? A four? We're not here to kick shame. Okay. All right. Um, Let me see. Ziggy says, hashtag the Kaiju Preservation Society by at Skullsy has been optioned for television to Fox Entertainment. Ah, we are so excited, Ziggy says.
0: Well, Ziggy didn't say that. Tor said that. And Ziggy passed along the 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 tour uh, tweet about that. So I see optioned. Obviously, you know, doesn't mean it's for sure. But still, that's exciting. That's very exciting.
1: If you want to read the, um, the official uh, note from Publishers Marketplace deal report, John Scalzi's The Kaiju Preservation Society, where on a parallel Earth, Kaiju, the massive Godzilla-esque monsters of Japanese film lore, roam free. After humans discover entry into this universe via tearing open the space-time continuum with nuclear explosions, scientists work to study and protect the gargantuan beasts, while others look to exploit them, which has been optioned to Fox Entertainment by Joel Gottler. Um, yeah, isn't that kind of how the Godzilla versus King Kong movie kind of ended?
0: <laughs> well, except hmm, they go to the center of the Earth. The end.
1: Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's not really the end. is it the end, mm-hmm. or is it kind of like happens mm-hmm. in the middle? I, uh,
0: I know, and and I was I was thinking it's more. Hollow Earth then portal, right?
1: Uh yeah. And yeah. it's not yeah. a parallel universe, it's a Hollow Earth story and Trike says it's a quadrilogy.
0: A quadrilogy? Hmm. Uh, I really am for kaiju preservation, uh free-range kaiju are important. When I when I get kaiju toast, I always I always ask to make sure it's free-range kaiju, so
1: we have to protect them we have to learn to protect them Mm -hmm. you know yeah all right and go ahead you're up next
0: yawn yawn again uh with the 2022 philip k dick award finalists the nominees are defect by nino Cipri, plague birds by jason sanford bug by giacomo sartori and translated by frederica randall far from the light of heaven by tade thompson the Escapement by Lavi Tiddar and Dead Space by Kali Wallace. The winner will be announced April 15th, Tax Day 2022 at NorwestCon 44.
1: And as a reminder, as we say every year, uh, the Philip K. Dick Award is presented annually um, to distinguish science fiction published in paperback original form in the United States during the previous calendar year. Very cool. Excellent. All right. And then finally... Today, uh Seth says my favorite currently running fantasy series is getting a new entry. Uh Nihai Vo and Tor, I, I'm sorry. I I am I'm definitely butchering that. I've seen that for the Ninghai Nhai Ngai. crap. Um NGHI Vo and Tor announce Into the Riverlands, a singing hill cycle novella coming out this fall and with another good-looking cover. By the way, hypothetically, of course, if we were going to read a long A huge, long book in the upcoming months. Maybe we could balance that out with a month where we read a novella, perhaps something like The Empress of Salt and Fortune, uh, the first book in this series. Very cool. Um, I I apologize. I really don't like being surprised by names that I don't know the pronunciation to. I feel like it's super rude to not know how to say people's names, so I'm going to look it up and try to figure it out.
0: We have uh, Pandora's Star coming up in March. We've been been, uh, announced that last year because it's so big, uh, and, and so long, like more than 30 hours audi- audio uh, long. Uh, so I think what Seth is suggesting is that the February book or maybe the book after March Madness, cause the April book, usually we pick with the tournament, uh, maybe could be a novella so that it gives you a little extra time to work on Pandora's star. I think, Picking a February novella makes more sense because then you get that done quick and then you can go right back to Pandora Star if you need to.
1: Yeah, excellent. I'm only I've been reading it for over like feels like over a month now and I'm 34% of the way through.
0: Yeah, I'm about the same. Yeah. I'm about <laughs> about a third of the way through. Uh and I've been, you know, plugging away at it. Uh when when I'm not like I finished Light from Uncommon Stars. Partly because I loved it, uh, and and then went back to Pandora Star. Like, okay, okay. And it feels like you're reading more than one book. Yes. Because they're like, there are like events that you're like, this could be the end. There's I like mean, a I know, murder mystery. The end, there's like a space yeah,
1: exploration. Yeah. There's like it kind of feels so Yeah. So the pronunciation is closer to knee.
0: So yeah, knee vo. Um, Sorry. Uh th- good good job looking it up. Makes sense. Um what do you think about now that you know uh a, are closer to a proper pronunciation, reading a novella in February. That would you don't be have nice. To answer that. We've got Veronica's got until, you know, I don't know, um, another week days. or so. Another eight yeah, week eight ten, to ten days to decide. So no rush. But it's an interesting suggestion. I even, even if it wasn't this one, I think the novella idea is a sound one.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm Pandora star is the only thing I'm reading right now. Um, so it'd be nice to, you know, get to catch up on some outside things too, or just like fully focus on it and, you know, really get, get through this thing. I mean, it's great. It's very interesting. It's very well-written. It's just uh, it's, it's a long haul trucker.
0: Mm-hmm. Ain't it just
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now it is time for barrier sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And we are kicking things off with another Bev Mitchum original. Uh, she says, The Inheritance of Orgelia Divinia by Zoraida Cordova. I love the language in this book, which moved between richly lush and sharply modern, like sinking into a bubbly warm bath and having toddler bath toys occasionally pop up to the surface.
0: <laughs> I love that description. I hope people don't take it uh, as as, ir- as too irreverent. But that's kind of right. Like you have this richly lush past story, and then you have these more modern, poppy, you know, like modern uh, story uh, on top of it. And the tones are are period appropriate. That's 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 uh that's a good way of putting it. Bubbly warm bath and uh fun, fun toys. Pop it up to the top. Yeah, cool.
1: I wouldn't have thought about it that way. Very cool.
0: I like that. Beth Mitchum strikes again. Brian uh, tweeted, uh, Ace Detect, which is my name on Twitter, heard your description of SGV food, so San Gabriel Valley food, on the last Sword and Laser. Have you checked out Blossom Market Hall yet? Kind of quasi 626 night market, but permanent spot. Oh my gosh, no. Thank you, Brian. This just opened in the San Gabriel Valley, not like a month or so ago, uh, and uh, I want to go to that jazz concert that they've got coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, it it looks incredible. It's it's like a big modern night market, so oh, so yeah. not old dark stalls like super modern, but good looking food, and 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 there and there's more opening all the time too. So even if I go, it'll be worth going back. Uh, thank you, Brian. That's great, uh, and I will. To definitely be feeling like I'm in light from uncommon stars there. I, I have a feeling.
1: I saw some um some TikToks of some night markets in the LA area and I'm wondering if that was one of them because it felt it looked very new, felt very new. Mm, and it was all mm-hmm. sorts of yeah, food. Maybe. There was like Latin food, there was all sorts of, you know, every different kind of of Asian food, um some crazy hot dogs. Yeah, I would love to to visit some place like
0: that. That might have been 6 to 6 mm-hmm. then. Uh, the, the way you're sounded, but I, I don't know. I will, I will, uh, report back,
1: take lots of video send me, I send will me take some my snacks tongue
0: there. And- <laughs> <laughs> and report back.
1: Excellent. All right. And then uh, Kenley Newfield uh, Neufeld uh, also posted a bit of a review of our current pick, but it's not spoilery. So I thought maybe it would get you into the appetite for reading it if, okay. if people haven't gotten started yet. Speaking of. They say, a sweet story of suffering, love and joy, friendships, trust, family of growing up in a spacecraft aliens and a demon and we have a nice mix of sci-fi and fantasy definitely a good way to start my 2022 reading thanks at and laser and more importantly rika aoki
0: kenley i think beth mitchum might have a little bit of competition here that's that's well done yeah that's well done
1: i love these i love they're very creative so people keep them people keep them coming for sure
0: keep them coming
1: All right. And then next we had a post from Ruth and I missed this one in our last episode. I think I don't remember talking about this, Um, but she wanted to mention about what were your favorite like picks uh, for the year for 2021. Okay. Okay. So first we'll kind of talk about, I, you know, obviously some of these I missed, which is crazy because I was on maternity leave. Right. So I'm like I not forgot, recognizing like the, the first two. <laughs> so I did read The Marrow Thieves, though. Um, so January was The Marrow Thieves. February was The Fold. March was Alatsue. uh, April was The House in the Cerulean Sea. May was Network Effect. June was Piranesi. July was Consider Phlebas. Uh, August was The Ruthless Lady's Guide to Wizardry. That was all the way back in August. Yeah. September was Terra Nullius. I remember
0: being hot reading that book. That's mm. how I know it was that for. Yeah.
1: October was Nosferatu. November was Aurora Rising. And December was The Inheritance of Orgidia Divinia. Man, October feels so far away.
0: I, I, I feel like... I'm like, was Nosferatu that far long ago? But also, October seems like forever ago. October seems like
1: forever ago. That seems like forever ago. Oh, my gosh. All of these seem really long ago, actually. Oh, my gosh. All right. And then we had a couple of rebel reads. Um, The Priory of the Orange Tree, uh, Gods of Jade Jade and Shadow, and Mexican Gothic.
0: Uh, surprise tomahome who tirelessly campaigned for us to read alistair reynolds uh (laughs) picked alistair reynolds aurora rising as their favorite pick of the year
1: Mm. Uh, but
0: consider phlebas second favorite
1: consider phlebas with all right what about you uh
0: if i had to pick a favorite boy you know what it's tough it's tough uh, really really enjoyed ruthless lady's guide to wizardry that was fantastic uh, have not stopped thinking about uh, El Atsoe, uh since we read it uh dived into house in the cerulean sea uh you know to to the point of like trying to find expanded uh parts of that that universe but i'd pick network effect martha wells as my favorite because That's the only one where I did go and read everything else in that robot series. And I'm currently watching uh, a show on Netflix called Law School because it was listed as one of the shows that might be similar to uh, How to Get Away with Murder, which was listed as the inspiration for one of the dramas uh, that Murderbot reads oh my in the series. That's so good. <laughs>
1: um, I think people may expect me to also say network effect, um, because I'm a huge murder bot fan and I had read all the books, um, up until that point. Um, but I'm going to go with house in the cerulean sea. It's yeah, being my so favorite. Good. Um, though yeah. I have to say for the all picks, if the priory of the orange tree had been a main pick, I, I probably would have picked mm.
0: that. Yeah. And if you hadn't had to, you know, preserve a new member of your family's <laughs> life, it may, could have been a, a pick in February. We were going with picks from, from guest hosts then, so it was, it was a good one.
1: The only one I didn't read was The Fold. So that's the only one I missed. Oh, yeah,
0: that was Rod's pick, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, did,
1: <laughs> but didn't we also read—oh, that was the year before. Oh, that was December was Parable of the Sower.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't read and that either. that was either. the first, that was the first pick without you. That was, um, yeah. uh, yeah, that was the, the first time that you weren't on the show. I was basically
1: in labor for the entire month of December. So yeah. I didn't get a chance to read pick. that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think you get a pass. For that. I was in yeah. labor
1: for three days. So oh yeah. Oh God. <laughs> good times. Good times. Good times. Um, <laughs>
0: totally worth it to- totally still. worth
1: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally worth totally worth. <laughs>
0: not totally worth it It's <laughs> spoken like a Drew parent like totally worth it kind of but no really it is but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but
1: um all right well let's we're just gonna do a quick check-in um for light from the uncommon light from uncommon stars uh by rika aoki um so tom sent out the book briefing is this a kickoff or did we kick it off last week we kicked kicked it off off. we
0: gave a light kickoff last time last week because we just did it last week
1: okay so this will be a non-spoilery um discussion uh so far but i wanted to um kind of kick things off with dylan's uh post here um an interesting mashup of genres um he has finished it, so I'm just going to make sure that there's no spoilers tucked away in here. I'm just going to skip yeah, the, spoiler using the spoiler tags.
0: Tag, so yeah. um, so mm-hmm. let me start
1: by saying I thoroughly enjoyed the book. This is from Dylan. I love the characterization of pretty much every primary and secondary character in the story, with the exception of Tremont. Um, the caring relationships among Katrina, Astrid, uh, Shizuka, Lon, Auntie Floresta, Shirley, Lucy, Mattia, and the Lon Children were thoroughly enjoyable. Conflicts, when they happened, were not for some contrived misunderstanding, but arose from the differences in personalities between different people. The other thing that might cause folks to nitpick is the repetition of the fact that Katrina is trans. This stuck out to me as well, but when I realized she effectively had PTSD from the multiple traumas in her life, both uh, expressed and implied, the restating of that fact was understandable. Based on this novel, I definitely look forward to additional output from Rika Aoki. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I uh I I agree and I'm glad I'm glad that Dylan acknowledged that there are people that that might notice the repetition and then point out why like yes we wouldn't uh we wouldn't have uh, a a cis heterosexual character constantly pointed out because they don't need to. Mm-hmm. It's not traumatic. Uh and and so that it is it is different when it is something that is still not perfectly accepted by society and is a cause of so much trauma uh, for, for our main character. And that's that's the other thing with Katrina I thought was really interesting is it starts worse than it finishes. And I wondered how many people might get put off by just how bad of a situation Katrina is in at the beginning and think, I don't know if I want to read this because I know there are some people who are criticizing the ending as being too light. And I'm like, no, man, I want redemption for Katrina. She starts so dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would hate for her to also finish dark. And I know like, well, it doesn't have to be Katrina. Other people could, could you know, have, have darker endings too. And that, that's a discussion for the spoilery days, I think. But, uh, But you really, 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 you really do need to know going in that there's hope. And, yeah. I, and I think that's what Rika Aoki is is trying to say is it's not easy. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, and yes, this is going to be a sci-fi fantasy novel. So it's not even entirely going to be realistic, but the part, that, but hidden under there, the part that's real is almost too real.
1: Yeah. It's almost more honestly of a sci-fi urban fantasy. I think I'm going to put it into, I think I'm going to call it urban fantasy.
0: The fantasy parts are very urban fantasy. Yeah. The sci-fi parts are very sci-fi and I know that didn't work. That that didn't work for everybody. And I respect that. Like some people are going to look at that, like pulling me in too many different directions. Not cool with that. I for partly because I'm doing this show for (laughs) for 13 years. I'm like, uh, I'm like, this is great. We like I'm totally pulled into the demon world and the violins. And then suddenly I got aliens. I got a spaceship. I've got a galactic war. Like, yeah, uh, I was I was into that. So yeah. it's that's, you know, not everybody likes layer cake. Uh, I like layer cake in this instance. Actually, I don't like cake. I like pie. But
1: I feel yeah. like I need to take notes for for next time, because like there's so many so many thoughts are coming to my head right now that mm-hmm. I want to share, but I can't because they're yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Straddling the spoiler line Um, But okay so I'll, we'll hold on to those for the, for the wrap-up episode.
0: Ooh, Neapolitan. Good way of putting it, Tamahome. Oh, Thank
1: you. delicious. Um, do you want to read mm. this post from Anne? Do you have it up or do you want me to jump into it?
0: I do. Well, I did. Now I do again. All right. Uh, Just give me music and food and I'm fine, <laughs> titled Anne. Uh, I think we covered some interesting aspects of the book and other topics. So here's what I noticed. Really plowed through the book and it seemed shorter to me than it probably was. And I think two of the reasons I liked it so much, there was so much music And so much food. And you know what? Definitely true on the food for me, Anne. Uh, And and I think the music to some extent, Sten as well, but I'm I'm not as as subsumed into the music culture as I am into the food culture, which is right next door to me. And I could go and have gone and eaten some of the food in this book. Anyway, Anne says, I really enjoyed the musical themes of the story. I think they were well executed. And as a hobby musician, a lot of it felt very close to home for me, although I play the piano and not the violin and made the book a lot of fun for me. Same goes for food. One of my favorite interests, although the whole food theme was more of a side story. I really enjoyed the descriptions of both the donut business as well as floresta's endeavors into the local food scene which also made me a bit envious because the food scene in california is so different from the one we have here in germany and i wanted to try all the things this is also a bit funny because i'm usually more plot or dialogue driven when it comes to books because long descriptions of stuff tends to bore me but when it comes to food and or music, I'm all in. And I believe that these two themes really made me enjoy the book as much as I did. Uh, And the Reading Glasses podcast calls that your wheelhouse. Music and food must be in your wheelhouse.
1: (laughs) Definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, Yeah, I, I feel like I wonder if I would have enjoyed the music discussion more if I knew more about classical music. Like if I understood how difficult Bartok was, for example, or some of the other pieces that they they mentioned in the story, um, I don't think so. I feel like it was explained pretty well. Like I understood what was important and what was difficult and why things were the way they were. Uh, discussing the musical you know, the the history of the violins or the the manufacturing of the violins or why they were special or why they sounded the way they did. I felt like I was learning a lot too as I was listening, but I wonder if I would have liked it even more if I had more of a background in that area. But I didn't feel that way about the food. The food, <laughs> the food made total sense. Like the descriptions totally brought me in and I could picture exactly what was happening. Um, it just made me hungry, very hungry. But I did go look for a uh, Spotify playlist um, from the book, mm. and I found one. And I don't think it's very good. So I would like to either see if I can find an official one, or or what. Um, but maybe there just wasn't enough of those classical songs on Spotify. Though I, I find that kind of hard to believe. Um, but I want—I thought that would be interesting to like listen to it and get a sense for Mm -hmm. what was happening in the story, like just how difficult the pieces were.
0: I like Ruth's uh, added point that the food and the music were central parallel themes, kind of complementary to the main story uh, about discovering the personal joy and authenticity of producing something beautiful and true, even though you're using the score slash recipe that someone else created first. Uh, well, well said, Ruth.
1: Yeah. Trike said that he actually looked up all the pieces mentioned in the book. So I'm going to see if if he found them on Spotify or if they were somewhere else. Um, maybe YouTube, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it's one thing to find the pieces. It's another thing to find really good performances of the pieces right. or Performances that are kind of in the vein of what they're talking about. Uh, I did love the, uh, the references to Lindsay Sterling. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of, of Lindsay Sterling. And my wife is lucky enough to have been friends with her when when they when she worked at YouTube and, and Lindsay would come into YouTube all the time. So I'm always cheering for Lindsay, and I was I was happy to see her get a little shout out in there as well.
1: Yeah, that was that was a fun real life shout out that I made me pretty excited. Um, not all the games mentioned in the book were real games. Games, and I wonder if that's like a copyright thing or, or what trademark mm. situation, um, rather, but
0: we're just light license of like wanting to, to not like, don't get too hung up on this part. Like we'll make, we'll make that imaginary, you know, like the donut shop is not a, n- there isn't an actual place that you can go to. That's that some of the other places are real, but mm-hmm. not that one.
1: Dwango says, um, I liked the video game reference. Nether tale was undertale. So there is a yeah. game called undertale. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. But we'll wrap up on the, you know, in, you know, two weeks, we'll, we'll wrap up the uh, the book and get more into, into what we thought about it. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I just finished it right before the show tonight. So I'm excited to, to talk about it much more. Indeed. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you want to help Help us out, become a patron, get access to all the cool patron level stuff that we have in store. Uh, you can head over to Patreon.com/swordandlaser.
0: And you can also support the show by buying books through our links. We still have Amazon links for those who who that's the most convenient way to shop. Uh, but we're also adding links to the books at Bookshop.org, which helps support independent bookstores. So you can find those at Swordandlaser.com/picks.
1: If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And you can join in on our discussions on goodreads.com at goodreads.com slash laser. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.